Hi there, you're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Hi there. Today's episode continues on with the interviews with estranged adult children. And I would like to give a trigger warning for this particular episode. There are discussions surrounding self-harm and suicidal ideation as it relates to children and adolescents. So if that is something that is triggering for you, please, um, I invite you to not listen to today's episode. That being said, the interview today is with a 36-year-old estranged adult daughter who was raised by a single mom as a only child. And this interview was conducted back in the fall of 2023. And we discuss... Uh, obviously a whole host of different things, but today's part one of a, of two parts for this particular interview, uh, we, we, we cover, um, challenges that, that she's had with her mom at a young age, um, as a child and adolescent where comparisons were made, uh, there was traumatic invalidation, uh, that she experienced parentification, um, things along those lines. So if those are of interest to you, then I encourage you to, to take a listen to today's episode. Um, one of the things that I wanted to kind of bring to the attention of the listeners today too, is, um, this adult daughter also discusses how the parents, um, actions did not and, and behaviors didn't match the words that they were speaking and i hear that so often and can see that so often um, between parents and adult children and so it, it causes especially when the adult children are young children and adolescents it really causes confusion for them and um, she also talks about feeling resentful that she was even born. And again, those were some of the, due to some of the language that her, her mother utilized, um, and that made her feel guilty for being there and being a burden to her mom and that she didn't discuss those things with her mom. Right. Um, so I, you know, there's a, there's wonder about if we were to talk to mom, if mom would say, oh yeah, we were really super close all of her life growing up. When, when we talk to the adult child they they generally say something vastly different and it's because they withhold the feelings um, that they're having about the parent in an effort to not hurt the parent, to not cause them to feel bad, etc. Um, so they're very mindful of being empathetic to the parent and, and stepping basically into the role of parenting the parent. And also she, she ventures into 
um, how her mother provided the physical things for her that her mom did not have growing up. And yet this estranged adult child, while she's appreciative of those things, she also recognizes that what she craved the most and needed the most was the presence and nurturing from her mom. So with that being said, let me go over two quotes that I have for today, and then we'll move on with this part one of two interview with an estranged adult daughter. The first quote is, tough love is a myth. And that is by Madeline Craig. And I believe Madeline does some work um, in the world of addictions, etc. And the second quote is, if we ignore and repress an emotion, we won't erase its message. We'll just shoot the messenger and interfere with an important natural process. And that is by Carla McLaren from the book, The Language of Emotions. On to today's episode. Hi, everyone. I have a guest with me today. Um, her name is Santrice, and we'll get into a brief introduction here in just a moment. Uh, but one of the things that I think it's important to address right off the bat here is, number one, I've had a prior conversation with Santrice. Um, we've had uh, a really lovely conversation, and I invited her back to share her story. And one of the things that Santrice is really um, adamant about is that she doesn't trash her mom's reputation when she comes on here to share her story. She recognizes her mom's story is just that, her mom's story to share. She is sharing her own story today, but by default, because her story intertwines with her mom's, there will be some crossover there. So um, with that being said, Santrice, why don't you give us a little bit of information about who you are and um, and then we'll we'll kind of dive into your estrangement experience. Yes, yes. First of all, thank you so much for allowing me to come onto your platform and share my story. Um, I really appreciate it. A little bit about me is, uh, hi everyone, I'm Santrice. I'm 36 years old. I am an estranged adult child um, and my story is unique because I come from the Black community and I was raised by a Black mother um, in a fatherless home. And my mom is a functional alcoholic who also was raising me while she had unhealed trauma of her own too. And I felt like this has a lot to do with why I'm here now, being a talking to you, Creed, as an estranged adult child. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the the things that really um, sparked my interest in hearing more of your story and sharing your story yeah. is because of some of a um, couple different things, um, you being from the Black community, but also more importantly, your the trauma piece to this mm -hmm. for both you, your yeah. mom and prior generations, right? We've talked about right. that. So um kind of what I'd like for you to do now is is to kind of begin with tell us where you're at 
currently as far as what type of communication you have with your mom just briefly a general overview of that and then if you'll begin to share how you became estranged um, and kind of give us that a little bit of history on that of course so recently I have had contact with my mom and we were estranged all the way up until last month I would say about 30 days now Um, I wouldn't say we're reconciled either. I don't feel like we're in a good place. I would like to say my story is still being written as I'm continuing to identify and uh, identify what estrangement or reconciliation looks like for me. I still would say I'm just sitting on the fence. Like there's times where I'm, we talk, but it's very short and it's very awkward. And it's just to let each other know we're thinking about each other at the moment. But we haven't had a real conversation about what it looks like to continue to have a healthy relationship at this point. Okay. All right. So that's been about 30 days, about a month that you've been, you've had some communication prior to that. How long had it been since you had had that there was silence or what level of silence was there? Uh, Oh, a completely radioactive, like silence, no communication, no text, no mail, no phone calls, no anything. Um, so for about, hmm, I want to say almost a year. So about eight to nine months, I believe it'll be a year fully this Halloween. So in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a a bit of time, Mm -hmm. right. Um, is this the first estrangement experience you've had with your mom or have there been prior ones? This will be the first time I completely estranged from my mom. And the fact that it's actually, it was, I feel bad for saying this because I remember when I was a kid, I used to think like, oh, I can't wait to grow up. Cause I, mom, I just feel so bad as a kid that I, I would not talk to my mom. Um, the way my lifestyle was as a kid, the way I was raised, the upbringing, the, the mental, emotional, physical abuse, I just could not wait to grow up because I would choose not to talk to my mom. That's how I felt. And now that I'm here, I would, I wouldn't say that my estrangement experience has been happily. I thought I would have a happily ever after navigating my life without my parent, but it didn't end up that way. I am completely miserable being an estranged child. And I think it's because I was raised as the only child for one. And in this house, in our household, and also what I've learned in the Black community, a lot of times our parents raise us to say, uh, to have the mindset, you take care of me when you get older. So if I take care of you and I make these sacrifices, it's your job to take care of me when I get older. So it's kind of hard for me to separate the two and choose the estrangement, like actively choose not to talk to my mom versus what I was brought up to believe. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitely been very difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, let's, I want to circle back around to that at some point during this conversation. Okay. Um, yes. And, and that is, you know, that happens to be one of the things that a lot of parents say is, uh, you know, well, I did all of these things for my kid and now in my old age, I, they're supposed to be taking care of me. They're supposed to be tending to me, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they're not. And mm-hmm. so now what am I supposed to do? And and they, uh, on some level, feel that their their child is ungrateful for all the things that were done for them in their growing up years. So let's circle back around to that. Um, of course. 
later in the conversation. Um, for now, can you share with us a little bit about your history? I think it's important to lay the the groundwork before we talk about mm. how the estrangement actually occurred, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because while we can talk about, yes, you know, so we had this event and, you know, mm -hmm. I decided I made the decision to to not have conversations with my mom again, mm -hmm. but we need to know this, this backstory. So yeah, share with us a little bit about how you came to be Santrice and the relationship that you currently have with your mom. Yes, I would love to. So for me, I believe it started between the age of eight and 10, somewhere around there. It was my first vivid memory of thinking I don't belong here. I remember having my first thoughts of self-harm and suicidal thoughts. And I'll tell you why. I remember my mom comes home from work. When I was around eight and 10, my mom often kept a lot of jobs. She worked two to three jobs. And I, she would say, hey, I'm sacrificing this for you. I want to give you what I didn't have. And that looked like her not being home at all, all of the time. I hardly saw my mom. And when she was home, it felt like she was mad all the time at me. <laughs> It felt like I didn't see her. Um, and it also felt like I had to raise myself sometimes. And there was some things that um, I learned very quickly. I Between eight and 10, I had to learn how to be an adult already. I, she taught me how to pay bills, write a check. I remember learning how to write a check around the age of seven. And she would sh share with me, centuries. I need to show you something. Let me show you how to write a paycheck or write a check so you can pay the bills. In case something happens to me, you need to know how to pay the bills because you don't want to end up in the system, do you? And it kind of felt like she was leading me into fear too. But I remember her making me an adult early as early as the age of seven uh, while she was working two or three jobs. And I would question some things like, okay, mom, if I write a check, I'm going to pay the bills. I can't work. And she would say, why are you asking me questions? Just do what I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. um, but this, the first time I remember having suicidal thoughts, I, I remember I was between eight and 10. My mom came home from work. I hadn't cleaned something like the bathroom or did my chores or something. And she was just angry. I don't, I don't remember her saying, hi, saying what you doing? How was your day? Mom is tired. No, it's like she went straight to the bathroom, noticed it wasn't cleaned. And there was screaming and yelling and you didn't clean the bathroom. And oh my gosh, I just remember my heart dropped. I was like, oh gosh, I'm about to get a whooping. Mm -hmm. So I remember being punished with the belt often a lot. Um, when there was expectations that wasn't communicated. And, it, and I learned very quickly if I didn't want a whooping, that I needed to keep the house clean. I needed to be quiet. I need to stay in the house. Um, while my mom worked uh, worked several jobs, of course, it was communicated to stay at home because I she didn't want to worry about me getting uh, kidnapped, of course, but also she didn't want people to find out that I was being left at home, right? Get caught this getting into the system. Um, I do remember learning early on to make sure my homework is done. Just I just became independent very early, very responsible, just uh, staying out of the way. Like oh goodness. Mama's going to come home. I remember looking at the time. My mama's coming home soon. Be in your bedroom, close the door, make it look like you cleaned the house. I remember just 
rushing all the time, trying to make sure this was clean. Was this put away? Was the clothes folded? Was my homework done? Did I take a bath? Did I brush my teeth? Okay, am I in bed like I'm supposed to for my bedtime? Because oftentimes when she come home, I was, um, I was, it was time for me to go to bed. So I would pretend to be asleep, even though um, <laughs> as a kid, you want to stay up and watch TV. But right. I just remember feeling like, okay, I got to learn quick. If I don't want to get in trouble, I don't want to get a whooping for no reason. Do these things. And I also remember growing up, a lot of times parents would say, your daughter is so nice. She's so quiet. She's so well-mannered. She's so this, she's so mature. Mm. I never felt like a kid because I, I was told to just be quiet, be over there. Don't make a mess. Don't embarrass me. Don't do this. I didn't know how to be a kid. I really don't remember being a kid. I don't remember having a lot of fun. I felt like fun equal trouble. The moment I would laugh or giggle, it was like, you better be quiet because you're going to get whipping or you better do this. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to be on punishment. So I just always felt uptight for a long, you long know, that's a, that is such a, um, oh my gosh, my heart, <laughs> like really, that is so much mm -hmm. for a young child to have to take on, mm -hmm. um, you know, and from the from and and I'm here to talk I was a single parent right of, of you know my daughters were really young when when I the most of my single singleness and that was you know I I thought the same thing well I come home you know I've worked a full day mm -hmm. you've been home since three o'clock in the afternoon it's now eight o'clock mm -hmm. why haven't the dishes been done why hasn't the vacuum why haven't you vacuumed why? and all of these things when in reality, the, when does a kid get to be a kid when you don't have, and so this, this lack of community support, right. To help you as a child, to be able to be a child, mm -hmm. to not have to do all the adult things and to help your mom to maybe not have to work, you know, three jobs to be able to meet the, the family needs. So it, it's kind of almost, if you pull back and look at this as almost like this perfect storm mm -hmm. that starts to be created. Would you agree with that? Would you, would you? To an extent, yes, because I do remember with my mom giving me that mindset, like, hey, we're a team. We're partners in this. Right. You go to work or I go to work while you stay at home and clean up. But looking back at it, that made me feel like, am I your housewife? I'm a child. I'm seven. How come I can't go outside I, and ride my bike? Or how come... I can't go to the park like these kids do, or how come these kids get to have fun at their birthday party, but I got to sit back and watch them have fun. And I, I felt wrong. I get where she was coming from, you know, now that I'm older, but at the same time, I feel like there should have been some type of balance. There right. should have been some, like you said, there's some balance and some community. If she could have leaned on some other support systems and said, mm -hmm. you know what? This is not fair for me to treat Santrice this way. She's a child. She should understand what a child looks like. And there's time and there's times I could hear her say, stay in a child's place, but it was only convenient to her when it was me questioning something, right? I didn't, I didn't feel like I had the opportunity to be a child unless I decided to start questioning her. I'm like, but you put me in an adult place by helping you pay the bills, by helping you keep the house clean. How come I can't question you like an adult, but you're telling me to stay in a child's place? Mm. I, I felt so conflicted. And to this day, I'm still conflicted. 
a mixed message. I mean, it's mixed messages, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. how does a person, how does a child <clears throat> grow up mm -hmm. with mixed messages that are, that are flying in all the time? <laughs> right. The parent doesn't understand that yeah. isn't consciously aware that that is exactly what they're doing yeah. um, is sending these conflicting messages. And then the, ch the child is like, what am I, but I had all these adult responsibilities, but yet you, you know, I, none of it adds up. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Well said. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you, here you are at seven or eight years old, you have your first, thoughts of self-harm suicidal thoughts you're you're you know you're you're being an adult mm -hmm. at the age of seven or eight mm -hmm. tell me what what was what was mom in from from your perspective mm -hmm. as a child what was what was happening with mom at this point in time what was what was mom doing and experiencing what I can remember around that time is just she was working so hard. I do remember her working a lot, uh, but also my mom also knew how to have a social life too. Mm -hmm. um, when she wasn't working, she had a girlfriend, you know, like to go out to the club and, you know, she of course abused alcohol. And um, that was one of the things that was passed down or inherited from her parents. And I feel that's where I feel like I didn't see her a lot. I was like, okay, when you're not working, you're out with the girls, you're going out. And I, here I am still stuck at home having to be a good girl. Um, I don't know. I can't tell what she was going through. I can't remember why our relationship started like that at seven or eight. I just remember not seeing her. I wanted to see my mom. I, I love when she came home, even though I knew it was a 50-50 chance. Is she going to be mad? Is she going to be in a good, bad mood or is she going to be in a good mood? No matter what, I felt like I was that, uh, in a lack of better an analogy, I feel like that dog waiting for my mom to come home. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my mom's driving up. I can't yeah. wait to see her. And then I, there are some days I'll have that instant regret. Like, oh, she's mad. I'm going in my room <laughs> and then right. close the door. My tail is between my legs. That's sometimes how it felt. I... I like to give my mom the benefit of the doubt that because as a single mom, she had a lot to on her plate. Yes, she did. I, I, I respect mothers. I truly do. They, especially single moms, you know, my mom's story, she was 17, pre pregnant with me at 17. My dad told her at the time that he couldn't have kids and she felt like it was a setup. And i and I feel her resentment to my dad towards me. Like if it hadn't been for your dad lying to me and saying he couldn't have kids, you wouldn't be here. So now that you're here, I'm making all the sacrifices to take care of my responsibility, but you're also a burden. I don't think she realized that was the message she was giving me mm -hmm. um, as she would say that. Even till now, even to up till uh, 36 years old, I still feel like, she still has that language. She still has that mindset. Like, you owe me. <laughs> you owe me, Centuries. Like, you going to take care of me. You're going to do this because I did this, that, and the other. I, I, I didn't have my youth because I raised you. I didn't have because I took care of you. I didn't have. I didn't have. But I made sure you had everything. But what I felt like I didn't have was her time. I didn't have her undivided attention. I didn't feel like I had her, her best self 
the best stuff that she could do. Like I realized when she grew up, she didn't have water on with electricity. She didn't have clothes. So I feel like that's why she worked two or three jobs to give me the material things, but she didn't give me the nurturing. And I feel like if we could do it all over again, that's what I would say, mom, I'd rather you be here and let's create a home and a safe environment for each other rather than saying what sacrifices over and over, reminding me the sacrifices you make. This is why I think it resulted to me having um, harmful thoughts and suicidal thoughts because I'm like, I'm, I, I regret your decision of having me. I didn't have me. You had me. So why am I feeling regret of have you having me? I wish I wasn't here. I wish I wasn't born because you are unhappy that you have to make sacrifices. Mm. Mm. That's so, that's such a heavy burden. That's Isn't such it? A heavy, and, and not just, not just as for a child, yeah. it's a heavy burden for an adult child. Regard, I don't care if you're 20 years old, 40 years old, 60 years old, yeah. if you feel like you are a burden or have been a burden mm -hmm. to your parent, and, and a lot of parents don't realize the language that they're using implies that. Yes. And that is how it's interpreted by the child, right? Um, and I oftentimes can hear that too when one parent is talking badly about the other parent in mm -hmm. front of the child or, or making reference mm. to, you know, you're just like your father, or you're just like your mother or, and knowing that the relationship that, that parent has with that mother or father is mm -hmm. one that they're not really happy with and they don't yeah. appreciate that person. And when you're, you're expressing that your child is just like that person, well, then they internalize that as, yes. well, you don't like me either. Right. Yes. But, yes. 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 So share with us um, a little bit about the um, alcoholism and, mm -hmm. and maybe how that affected your relationship with your mom. Okay. So my mom, she is functional. Um, alcoholism can look different for everyone. She was able to work two or three jobs. Yes. She likes to have her drink, you know, after work um, on the weekends, it wasn't I don't, I wouldn't say it gotten bad until maybe when my mom turned 36, upper thirties, early forties. Cause now I'm, I'm what, 15, 16 at the time, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I can more, I'm more independent. So now she could be a little bit more less responsible, I suppose. Right. Um, I feel like around that time, the alcohol got a little heavier. She was still work. She was still functional um the the pattern would be work come home every night and drink where before when I was younger it was like she would wait to the weekends it would be an occasional thing um but when I got older around yes I would say about 14 15 16 around the time I started working driving taking care of myself in that way then she would be a little bit more uh but I want to say the reason why that resulted to the heavier drinking is the environment we had relocated from where I was raised, from Oakland, California, to where I was born and where she was born and raised, which was Tulsa, Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, uh, in that area, it seems to be that's how people cope, is either drug and alcohol abuse or, I don't I guess the latter. It really would be hard to differentiate the, the what's better because they're, that's why I left Oklahoma. I just didn't feel like people 
thrive there. <laughs> but, and I don't mean to offend anyone who lives there, but that's just my experience from Oklahoma. And when she and I moved back to Oklahoma, where her her hometown is, her parents lived there. Both my grandparents were alcoholics. That's what my mom was raised in. And I feel like being back in that environment gave her permission to do that now. Here we are in one of the places she didn't thrive in. That's why she left in the first place where she was also abused and being around people who are also abusing alcohol, which I think resulted into her heavy usage of alcohol. Um, I feel like when you're in it, you do it when you're surrounded by it. And then when she became when she became heavier with alcohol, I feel like our relationship got worse because now I'm more aware of the toxic uh, emotional relationship we have. Now it's becoming you, your centuries. I'm entitled. It's time for you to start learning how to take care of you, but also learn how to take care of me. So uh, you need to go to work. You need to still do all the things you were doing before, and you still have a bedtime at of ten o'clock. Um, while I still do this and I get to have my little fun, extra fun too. Um, what else was included? A little bit more of, um, instead of physical abuse, my whoopings became less because now I'm bigger. Now I can like run or defend myself in different ways. So the abuse became more emotional and verbal, meaning, mm -hmm. oh, you're getting too fat. You're getting too big, centuries. You're not going to get a boyfriend or... I'm trying to think of some other hurtful things she would say, but she would, I can just tell you that it was very taxing on my self-esteem. I'm all, Here I am 14, 15 in Oklahoma. That was a huge culture shock moving from Oakland to California to Tulsa, sure. Oklahoma. I'm going through high school, the trauma as that is, being a teenager, 14, 15, trying to figure out where I fit in. Also make you happy, <laughs> uh, find my independence, because that's what you want me to do. You want me to grow up fast and then navigate my self-esteem, how I look to you. But when I was your age, I had tons of boyfriends. When I was your age, I wasn't as big as you are. When mm -hmm. I was your age, I had a job and had my savings account saved. When I was your age, it was a lot of comparing of what who she was when we were 14 or 15 and who I was when I was when we were 14, 15. It was hard. How, how did that make you feel? Oh, there was one time I was bold enough to tell her my mom, I, 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 I want to kill myself. I remember telling her, telling her I came home from school and I had an attitude and she was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, nothing. She was like, no, talk. She said, no, talk to me about it. And I was just in my mind. I'm like, she's not ready to hear what I'm about to say. She's probably going to just invalidate my feelings but I told her I said I'm a I'm thinking about suicide like I just don't feel like I'm worthy I'm having a hard time in school I don't like it here but I didn't put any blame on her I was too scared to say you're part of the reason why I wanted to put everything on school because I was also concerned the fact I was having empathy for her. I was having empathy for my mom. I was like, how can I tell my mom she's the reason why I want to hurt myself um, because she has a heart herself. She's a single mother who was abused and had her own trauma. Like, how can I say that to her? How can I blame that on her? And also I was trying to avoid what she might say. I figured she would say, you got enough nerves to tell me that I'm the reason why you want to do this when all I do is make sure you got a place to stay. Food to eat, clothes on your back, and you gonna. Ugh. 
Right. I right. laugh because that's t- a typical mother's response. So mm-hmm. <sighs> that's how it made me feel. I did tell her that that was some thoughts I had, but she says, oh, you're going to get past it because I didn't tell her the in-depth of why I was feeling that. Her, right. her response was, oh, you'll get over it. You probably just on your period. Oh, you're probably just teenager mm-hmm. stuff. It was just like a brush off your shoulder type of thing. Nothing so to it take sound, It sounds to me like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me like you, you were the textbook definition of parentified, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you were um, being a parent to your parents from a very young age mm-hmm. um, and you were, you were concerned more about your mother's feelings than being able to express what was causing you to think about taking your life. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you were more concerned with protecting your mother mm-hmm. than you were yeah. being truthful and honest and open about the struggles you were having and why you were having them. Yes. That's a, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, that is a crap ton of mm-hmm. stuff for a young adolescent to have to carry. Yeah. How did you, how did you navigate your way through suicidal ideation? You know, I think at the end of the day, it was my relationship. I I developed a relationship quick early with uh, God. Um, mm-hmm. How did I do this in elementary school? I remember a couple ladies come by and said, hey, we were looking for, you know, some straight A students who have, can afford to do extracurricular activities outside of school. And once I developed, uh, they would come and pick us up to do Bible study once a week. I think if I didn't have that foundational relationship with uh, with God and Jesus Christ, I don't, I, I don't think I would be here. I think for me, it took like, Oh, I remember learning this in that Bible study that this is sinful. This is frowned upon. Like just the ounce is all I needed from that to not right. do it. Uh, Cause I was desperate at times. I, <laughs> I was desperate just to be like, mm-hmm. I don't like, it's either I kill myself or can God, can you just help me grow up faster? Let me, can you please press the fast forward button so I can be an adult? Because mm-hmm. once I'm an adult, I just, I'm going to just start over. I'm going to do things how I want to do it. Yes. Um, and outside of that, I did have one friend who, she was really good about seeing me, hearing me, listening to me, understanding me. She was like my go-to person. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I just love when she come over when I was down. Like she just knew I was not okay. And um, we would dance in the living room. She just knew some things to make me happy too, which was dancing. Let's put on a song. Let's get out of our heads. Let's dance. Yeah. She also taught me how to write poetry. Um, poetry was an out, another outlet too to just, uh, to write out my feelings. She was like. Maybe if you change your mindset around journaling or um, di- uh, diary and turn them mm-hmm. into, uh, think of it as poems, maybe that might help. So I also became a writer. I 
mm. learned to write poems because of her to help with my feelings as well. So I think that got me through high school. <laughs> Definitely got me through high school. Great. I'm so glad that you were able to find someone that was able to be a you know healthy support system for you at a time yeah. that you needed it. Um, you desperately needed to feel connected and tethered to the world in some form or fashion, right? This brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you were able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, perhaps entertaining becoming a guest on our show, or following us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. We can be found at facebook.com backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com.